you had to name someone in the Bible that you think this person was a picture of great faith, who would you choose? So we had to think of a list. So come up with five. So think in your head, five people, Old New Testament, that had great faith. You can think of a lot, can't you? Some are going to be drawn to certain characters, different people in the Bible. If you had to pick five, who would you choose? Abraham, Sarah, David, Moses. How many of I've already I've already listed some of the people that are on your list? Yeah, absolutely. Esther, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Gideon, Deborah, Rahab, even. There are a lot of people to choose from, and today I want to look at a man of faith. And if you could think of a place where you could look for a man of faith, where do you think you could go? I mean, there's a lot of places in the Bible you can go. But can you think of a place where lots and lots of heroes of the faith are written down in one chapter? So turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. So last year on Father's Day, we started with the first person in Hebrews chapter 11. This year, we will go to the second person in this text. And I'm going to read about somebody that we didn't just mention. So it wasn't one of these staggering towers of the faith, pillars of the faith that we think of normally. We know very little about this person, yet what we do know is staggering. So let's read about this in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 through 6. Last year we covered the faith of Abel, which is in verse number 4. Let's look at verse number 5 through 6. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I want to look at four different things about Enoch today that I think would be encouraging, not just to fathers. So if you're here and you're not a father, this is not the time to tune out, okay? Uh, This is good for all of us, especially when you get to verse number six. But I think there's some great characteristics we can learn about Enoch that will apply to each of us. So first, number one, Enoch had faith in God. Enoch had faith in God. Look at verse number five. By faith, Enoch was taken up. So he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Before this, he was, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. By faith, Enoch. Enoch had faith in God. And maybe you're new to church, maybe you've been in church in a long time, and you wonder, what is faith? Well, luckily, the writer of Hebrews defines it for us. Look a few verses earlier. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse number 1. And he defines faith for us. Now, faith is, thank you, writer of Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, faith, the people of old, like Abel, Like Enoch, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So what is faith, according to the writer of Hebrews? Faith is the assurance. It's that concrete foundation of what we hope for. You just know in your heart of hearts, I know, even though I can't see it, I know it will happen. I know it will be true. It's not something we see. For by faith, those that lived before Christ, right, we're looking forward. I know my Redeemer 
will come. Back in Genesis 3, the, the promise was given that a redeemer would come, one that would crush the serpent's head, that old tempter, the old devil, one that would crush him. I know my redeemer will come. He will. And it's just that set hope. It's as if they just, it, it's not even, even though I can't see it, I know it's there. It's like gravity. It's like oxygen. I know it's here. They had that hope in God. It was believing without seeing. Verse 3 tells us as much, right? By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. It's ex nihilo. It's out of nothing. Out of nothing. God created the world. How do you believe that God created the world and didn't just start to come? It's just this big, and then all of a sudden, now we have a world that's perfect order. How do you get that faith? I mean, how do you believe that? It's just simply by faith. So those that lived after Adam and before Christ had to live by faith, hoping that one day their Redeemer would come. This is the faith that we see in Enoch. His hope was set in his Savior. He was resolved in that there was a God that could keep his promise that one day he would raise up one from among his people that would crush the serpent's head, that would defeat that old serpent. We see Enoch, Enoch had faith in God. But number two, Enoch also pleased God. Read again verse number five. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Let me repeat that last phrase. Before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. What does it mean to that he was commended? It means his life bore a witness. It was a way of life that was detectable to God and to man. What was detectable? What witness was seen? What did both God and man see that Enoch pleased God. He did not bring shame upon his Savior. He did not disobey his Savior. He did not neglect to walk humbly with his Savior. His way of life pleased the Savior. It's a massive statement. He pleased God. And again, think through all the people that we just talked about earlier, right? Moses, Elijah, Elisha, David, Think through all those different guys that we're thinking through. And out of all the people you can read in Scripture going, and this guy pleased him? Enoch pleased God? Out of all the people, he's the one? Well, what did he do? What special feat of faith? What massive, giant leap of faith did he take? They were just like, wow, no wonder he pleased God. What did he do? Slay a giant, part the Red Sea, cure diseases, bring somebody back from the dead, like Elijah and Elisha did through the power of God. What did he do? Did some crazy things. Did he? What do we know about Enoch? There's another place we can learn about him. So turn back to Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to see what we can figure out what's what's so what's so amazing about Enoch what amazing thing did he do that just blows our minds and allows the sovereign Lord of all to commend him as saying and he 
pleased me. He made me happy and he brought me glory. What amazing thing did he do? I'm going to see next, number three here. It's in this text, Genesis 5.20. Enoch simply walked with God. That's it. Look at Genesis 5.21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah, 300 years, had other sons and daughters. All the days of Enoch were 365 years. Look at verse 24. Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. What amazing feat of faith did Enoch display? Every day. I will walk with my Savior. And what we think, me think through the people of the Bible, sometimes we think like they have a faith we cannot attain. Somebody like me, like there's no way I'm taking on Goliath with a couple stones and a leather sling. Like no way would I do that. I don't know that I have the faith of Paul to preach where he preached, knowing I'm going to get stoned today or imprisoned today. Do I have the faith? Do you have the faith to simply walk with God today as if he's alive and he is? As if he sees and he does? As if he listens. Just to walk with him. Just a walk with him. That's it. Enoch walked with God. If you could have anything written on your tombstone where other people could testify this person walked with God, period. What else would you want written there? What does it mean to walk with God? One pastor defined it this way, to walk with God is to set God always before us, to act as those that are always, that we are always under his eye. It is to live a life of communion with God, is to make God's word our rule. To make his glory our end in all of our actions. It is to make it a constant care and endeavor in everything to please God. And in nothing to offend him. It is to comply with his will. To concur with his designs. To be workers together with him. To walk with God is to live as though you are actually walking with God. Adam and Eve had that opportunity, physically. Do you remember that? Back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, where do we see Adam and Eve when God comes to walk in the garden in the cool of the day? In Genesis 3, we read, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and a wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You have a chance to walk 
physically walk with God Almighty. Where are you at? Hiding in a bush? Why were they hiding in a bush? Their sin separating them from their father. The guilt weighing over them. They had a chance to walk with God and they chose the pleasure of sin for a season. They could have walked with God. Said they chose to hide, they chose to hide, quote unquote, from the one who knows all, one who sees all, one who is all. They chose the temporal over the eternal. And as far as we know, Enoch never got a chance to physically walk with God. He had to do this by faith. You know, I cannot see him like my father Abraham could. I mean, like my father Adam could. I believe that he is real. And I believe that a redeemer will come. And he just walked with God. The prophet Amos asked the question, do two walk together unless they have agreed to me? Have you ever tried going on a long walk with somebody you didn't like? Is that the first thing you think of doing? Let's go on a four-mile hike with that person. Why wouldn't you do that? Husbands and wives, you think back to the day where possibly, and, and if you know me, you know I don't like the outdoors and I don't like physical exercise. So for me to ask my wife, let's go on a walk is something. But to go, just for me and her to walk by ourselves, the conversations you can have. Can you think of somebody you don't want to go on a walk with? The answer for everybody in this is, is yes. If, if your answer is no, God bless you, brother or sister, you're so merciful and kind, teach me how to live. If, now, can you think of somebody you would want to go on a walk with, somebody that you personally know, you're like, I would love to go on a walk with them today. Just me and him or him and I, whoever it is. I'm going to bet that that person and you have a lot in common. You share equal likes and dislikes. doesn't mean you're perfectly the same. They have a lot in common. Have you ever noticed that the more you hang out with somebody, the more you start taking on some of their characteristics? They're old couples. They finish each other's sentences. And it's like they're one. Because they've been walking together, maybe physically, but definitely metaphorically, they've been walking together for decades. This is what we see Enoch doing. I'm going to walk with God today. Enoch, what are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to walk with God tomorrow. What about the day after that? You know, I hope I'm faithful enough to walk with God again. Is there something else you'd rather do with your life? Isn't there the Mesopotamian dream that you have instead of the American dream? Don't you want to live and retire? So what, what do you want to do with your life? Come, come on, don't just walk with God. No, I, 
I'm pretty happy with that. Man, if I could just be faithful today to, to walk with him, and then tomorrow, by God's grace, just to walk with him again, I, I'll be happy when the Lord takes me home. Enoch walked with God. He simply communed with his Savior day in, day out, day in, day out. And what did God say of him in the end? He pleased me. Oh, man. Did we have some conversations? Man, I love that guy, Enoch. It was like we were together every day of his life. Before we move on, I want to point out something else in the text. Look, look again, if you had Genesis 5, you look back there real quick. Genesis 5, 21 through 24. And I want you to try to think through when, when did Enoch start walking with God? It's very interesting the way Moses writes this in Genesis 5. And if you read Genesis 5, you keep seeing somebody l was born, they had a kid, they died. Somebody was born, they had a kid, they died. Somebody was born, they had a kid, they died. And you see this, he died eight times, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Keeps going. Grim news that the curse of sin still reigns. The sting of death is still here. And you get to Enoch, and the story changes. Because it's not just he, had a, he was born, he had a kid, he died. And you, you read about Enoch's life. But what changed him? What makes him so different? And we see this in verse number 22, I believe. Verse number 22, Enoch walked with God after, key word there, after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had sons and daughters. After his son was born. We don't see him walking with God before his son was born. It was after we don't see a mention of this again. He, so he's just, it seems like there's something happened when his first child was born that shook him, that awakened him to what he ought to be doing. And sometimes there are events in our life that snap us back to reality. And for this, it was, for Enoch, it was the birth of a child. If some of you fellows in here had a similar experience where you have a child and all of a sudden you think, I should go back to church. And some of you may be here because that decision started 15 years ago. You had a child who realized, I'm not what I ought to be. And I don't want to lead my kid astray. Fathers, learn from this example. That's something that ought to shake you and awaken you to your responsibility. But this shook him. And he realized, I'm not. What I ought to be. Maybe some of you mothers felt that same way when you had a child. I'm not what I ought to be. And the Lord allowed a child in your life to awaken you to you need him more than ever. That was the case here for Enoch. But the Lord continued to bless him with more children, and he kept walking with God. He kept walking with God. You know, he kept walking with God because that's what was required of him. How do we know it's required of him? Micah 6.8, we read this verse earlier. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Do justice. Love kindness. Walk 
humbly with your God. That's it. You think the Christian life is just this crazy amount of rules. It's not. It's very simple. Very simple. Do justice. means live a righteous life. Love kindness. Be a merciful, loving person. Walk humbly with your God. That's it. I don't know if Micah was thinking of Enoch when he wrote this. But if I ask you to think of people in Scripture where the phrase was given, they walked with God, how many can you think of? There's not many. And in fact, if you think of who else has talked about walking with God, because Genesis 3.8, we know, right, we know that Adam and Eve had that opportunity to walk with God, and they hid themselves because of the sin and guilt that they had. And they pulled themselves, their sin is pulling them away from the Father. Chance they had to walk and have close communion, sin has now broken. Brother, sister, if you're living in sin, it's going to be hard to walk with God. You confess, you make it right, you get back up and start walking today. But not since the fall of man do you see anybody walking with God until you get to Enoch. From the garden all the way through to Enoch, the first one to be spoken of, he walked with God. He walked with God. And if you are into numbers, look at Genesis chapter 5 and start adding up who was alive when and when they died and and how this all went. Because perhaps Enoch heard personally from Adam because he was alive when Adam was alive. Perhaps Enoch heard personally from Adam of what it was like to be in the garden. Perhaps Enoch heard from Eve the promise the Savior told her when he said, there will be one, an offspring that will come that will crush the serpent's head. And maybe he wondered when his child was born, is this the one? We don't know. But he had hope that his Redeemer would come. It was firm, it was fixed in his mind, my Savior will redeem me. We know that Enoch walked with God, but we also know if you read Genesis chapter 5, remember we're talking about somebody, they lived, they had a child, they died. The, the way that Enoch lived his life set himself out apart from his family and from his counterparts, from those that lived in this age. Because Enoch didn't just live, have a kid, and then died. Enoch walked with God. That was his testimony. That was what people knew about him. God signaled him out. And it's not for another 587 years after Enoch that you hear of another person that walked with God. And it was his great-grandson, Noah. What a blessing it is to have a spiritual heritage. Say, I know, I've seen, I've witnessed with my own eyes somebody walking with God. I, as I mentioned earlier, what a blessing it is for me to have godly heritage, to have mom and dad that loved the Savior. They weren't perfect. Trust me, I know they weren't perfect. I was a teenager once, and I could pick out every single one of their flaws. But they walked with God. Even when they should have hid themselves, 
they confessed and they got back up and they walked with God. They got back up again and walked with God. I learned failure from my mom and dad. I also learned faith and how faithful people can live through failure. Because tomorrow I'm going to fail my children again. And so faith, as I was here, my mom and dad to confess, to restore, and to be faithful. Walk with God now. Don't let your past hinder you from being faithful today. Walk with God now. Now is the time. What a challenge to our senior saints, to those that are grandparents, to those that are great-grandparents. What a challenge to you. Finish well. Finish well. Show your family, show those of us here in this church what it means to finish well. Those that are my generation below, will you look around to our senior saints and recognize that they show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, though it pains them literally, physically, to get out of bed, they still show up? Learn from that. Senior saints keep teaching us what it means to walk with God. Don't teach us what it means to gossip. Don't teach us what it means to complain. Don't teach us about how great it was in the good old days. We need you to show us how to live by faith today in this climate. Now, wake up. Show us what it's like to live for Jesus in this culture, in this time, at this church, in this way. Walk with God. Show us. Be the example we're already witnessing. For those of you that are struggling with that, struggling with finishing well, learn from your counterparts. Look at my generation. Look at the children below and say they are worth it. I will set an example for them. What a challenge to our parents to walk humbly with God. For a mom and dad to wake up and to go, I can't do it. I can't do it by myself. We can't do it together. It's too difficult. We need Jesus. And it may be today, mom and dad, where you go home and you just, before you pray for your meal, say, kids, dad and mom, we want to apologize. We have not been walking with God. Would you pray with us that we would today walk with him? Would you pray that God would grant you a forgiving spirit to bear with us because we fail all the time? Would you pray today that dad would be faithful? Would you pray the same for mom? Man, we want to walk with God to show you the right way. What a challenge to our singles, to our teens, to the children here. This challenge for you, again, look back through chapter 5. How many people walked with God before Enoch? We don't know anything about his father, but we do know it wasn't said of him that he walked with God. The first 65 years of Enoch's life, we don't see him walking with God. Just because you don't have a spiritual father 
spiritual mother. Just because your parents, but they may be hypocrites. Does not mean you should not follow the Lord faithfully. Rebecca and I can clearly recall one of our teenagers uh, back in the day, a long time ago, when I was a youth pastor. Um, Rebecca and I can clearly call one of our teens that came to church by herself. Parents used to go to church, stopped, and she said, I want to keep going. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, Sunday after Sunday. Parents would come in, drop her off, drive away, because the church had nothing for them that day. Nothing. But she'd come in by herself. It wasn't because she had a boyfriend. It wasn't because she had a friend. She just loved her Savior. By 10th grade, 11th grade, she got her driver's license, and she didn't just come on Sundays. She came on Wednesdays. She came on Sunday nights. She drove herself Sunday night to church. This is my Savior. I want to walk with him. She drove herself. She graduated from high school. And after that first year, I mean, she's still coming every Sunday. She had tests. She had exams. And all our college students would like to make excuses. And students want to make excuses for your tests and exams. And I can't go to church because i got to study. Try studying on Saturday. Maybe try doing your work ahead of time. Because we've seen a college student that could do it. And so show up at church and not stay up till 3 a.m. watching Netflix. But she showed up going, I want to know my Savior. This day's important to me. I'm not going to work on this day. That was just her life. That's how she was. So finally, I was like, man, you need to get back into youth group. And I asked her to be youth staff. And she's impacting 7th, 8th, ninth grade girls. Showing up every time. At every activity. Her life revolved around her church. Just because your parents don't live for Jesus... And maybe they are hypocrites. Maybe they are. That does not exclude you from the requirement God has placed upon you. What does God require of you, single? What does God require of you, teenager, child? What does God require of you? Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. Lastly, we see Enoch was rewarded for his walk. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. It's a verse you know well, and sometimes it's a verse that's taken, and there's no connection to it. It's just it's taken. Let's just read this verse. It's not connected to the verse before it, although it needs to be connected to the verse before it. Look at Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. Enoch was rewarded by God. Enoch sought the Lord, and this verse 6 connects to verse 5. How do we know that? Look at the end of verse number 5. Now before, see this in verse number 5? Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith it's impossible to please God. 
You want an example of somebody that fulfilled Hebrews 11.6? Read Hebrews 11.5. The simple task of waking up and walking with your Savior pleases your Savior because you're seeking after Him. And what does the Savior do? He turns and he rewards. So it says, whoever would draw near, whoever would walk with God, whoever seeks God in this way. Enoch believed that God existed. We saw that earlier in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. So how did God reward Enoch? In a way that catches us off guard. Right? How did God reward Enoch? It's the way you're like going like, what? Like, uh, how? Well, all right. Like, is that a reward or? Kind of what happened here? The writer continues, right? By faith, Enoch, verse number five, was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. He was taken up, why? So he should not see death. Do you remember back to Genesis 3? In the garden where it was promised that a seed would crush the serpent's head? But there was also Problems attached to this. What was going to happen to Adam because of his sin? He was going to die. The Lord tells Adam that he would return to the ground. He's going to die. He said, Genesis 3.19, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Two chapters earlier in Hebrews 9, the writer of Hebrews says, it is appointed unto man once to die. 1 Corinthians 15, which we just finished studying a little bit ago. We saw the sting of death is sin. It bites us all. So why didn't Enoch feel that sting? Why didn't he go back to the ground? Because of his faith. His concrete hope in God, the Lord decided to spare him of that sting, the sting of death. But think of what this means to everybody that follows Enoch. Think of what this means. There is life after this world, there is a resurrection. There is life after this world. Either that or it's just Enoch and God in the heavens with the angels. There is life after this. Enoch had faith in God. There is this other life, and there's life beyond the grave. Enoch never gotten one. And if you think of this too, if you go back to Genesis 3, and you think through what happened there and the sin of Adam and the, what was going to be brought on all mankind, that just because we are dust and from dust, we will return. We're going to go back to the ground as he promises Adam, Genesis 3. Then you read Genesis 5, and you look at who died. And in Genesis 5, we see the list of who died. First person to die was Adam. The one who brought the curse upon the world. The fall. Who's the next person to die? If you count the years. Enoch. The one who by faith was able to miss that sting 
There's possibility that the Redeemer, the sovereign Lord of all, could keep people from feeling that sting. He could redeem them from the sting of sin, the curse of sin, and the fall. Enoch had faith in God. And his faith was rewarded by the Lord taking him up and him not having to feel that sting. Not only is that his reward, but if you read in Luke 3, 37, you see his name is listed in the genealogy of Christ. The faith that he had, that his Redeemer would come, he came. And he came through the line of Enoch. He's a man of faith who did what all followers of Christ are required to do. He walked humbly with his God. So what does all this mean for us today? What can we apply to our lives? Let me ask you some questions and we'll, we'll close here. First, do you believe, friend, do you believe that God exists? Do you believe that God exists? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died for your sins and mine? That he's the promised Messiah that crushed the serpent's head? Do you believe he really exists? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you don't believe in him, he cannot then reward you, as we see in Hebrews 11.6. Trust in him today. Enoch's life shows us that there is a life after this. God took him up. There is another life, an eternal life. And it's promised to all that call upon the name of the Lord. You can do that today. You admit the fact, admit as we all can easily admit that we sin, we go astray. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You call upon his name, you pray, God, forgive me. I believe that you are the Christ. Save me from my sin. And he'll do it, not because you're great, but because he is. Next, for all those that claim to be Christians, let me ask you a couple questions. Christian, is your life, is your life pleasing to God is your life pleasing to God I'm not asking if it was pleasing 10 years ago I'm not asking teens if your life would be pleasing to him 10 years from now right now is your life pleasing the things you do things you say is your life pleasing to God? Enoch walked with God. We don't read about his extraordinary feat of faith. His was simple. He just kept walking with God. So Christian, next question, how is your walk? How is your walk? Is it consistent like Enoch's? Is your walk evident to those around you? Do you feel more like Adam and Eve? Cowering, hiding, covered in sin and guilt, ashamed. Christian, repent. Repent. He forgives. He restores. He always welcomes back the prodigal. Repent. is required of you to walk with God. What is the Lord required of you but to do justice, 
Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. Are you doing that? Parents, grandparents, are you setting an example? Are you setting an example for your family to follow? New parents, is God trying to use this text and your newborn child to awaken you to your responsibility? Wake up. Wake up. Lives are at stake. Stop living the American dream. Walk with me. Wake up. Singles, teens, children, are you walking with God? I can't recall to you how many times I've heard from teenagers telling me my parents are big, fat hypocrites. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. I have to turn the conversation. They will answer to God. Are you a big fat hypocrite? It's a question. So for our teens that maybe you see in your parents all these inconsistencies, they will answer to God. So will you. Are you a big fat hypocrite? Are you walking with God? So your friends clearly know God is the love of your life. Yes or no? Your family clearly sees you walking with him day in and day out. Don't tell me it can't be done. I've seen it done. And that teenager that was doing that week in and week out, showing up week in and week out, as she became a youth staffer, and she started pouring into the lives of others, guess who started coming back to church? Her parents. It was through her faith, mom and dad's eyes were opened. Man, what are we doing? We're complaining about the stupid stuff that goes on in church, and so we're not going to go anymore. And here's our daughter showing us what real faith looks like. We saw when we were in Guam, we saw a teenager who wanted to follow the Lord and wanted to go into ministry, but his parents were atheists. And they're like, no way. And we will tell you where you're going to go to school, and we're going to tell you what you're going to do for your job. What do I do? He's asking the youth staff. He's asking us, what do I do? Obey, honor. Obey and honor. Obey and honor. So they started limiting how much he could come to church, started limiting what he could do. He's like, obey and honor. Pray. And by his senior year, his parents came back going, listen, we can't get this out of you. We know it. Where do you want to go to college? What do you want to be? Go for it. To my knowledge, they still aren't Christians. But that kid's in ministry today. So teens, children, if your parents aren't what they ought to be, this is no excuse for you. You are required to walk humbly with your God. The flip side, mom and dad, if your parents think you are the big fat hypocrites, it's probably good for you to take inventory. Because those teenage eyes see that, see hypocrisy real clear. They have acute, acute vision for hypocrisy. 
Because for them, that's their out. I don't have to do what you're telling me because you do that. So it's good if you take inventory of that. To all of us, live as though God is alive. Live as though God is alive. Live as though he sees all you do. Talk to him as though he listens. He does. He is. He always will be here with us. It's a promise. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So we can hide and we can cower in the bush. Or we can get up confess our sins, and start today walking with God. Let's bow for a word of prayer.